Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for the GNFCC 400 Insider. Connect, build, and grow with the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. And hello, everyone. I'm John Ray, and no, I'm not the usual host of this show, the GNFCC 400 Insider. I'm here with the usual host of this show, Callie Boatwright. And, of course, Callie is the uh, president CEO of the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Callie, welcome to your own show. Hey, thanks. It's kind of fun to have the tables turned on me for a change. Yeah, you 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 get to do the talking. I'd rather hear you do the talking anyway a lot of the times because you're so eloquent at what you have to say. And this this show is important, um, seriously, because um, the last time you were on the other side of the table, we were right in the middle of the soup, you might say. The pandemic had hit in full force and things were shutting down and we had no idea where it was all going to go. And we thought it'd be a good idea to, uh, here in August, mid August, uh, several months later to talk about where things have come from and where they're going for the greater North Fulton chamber. We did. We did. And here we are five months later. And, um, I don't know that any of us thought we would still be having this conversation. I, joke that um, at the beginning of this, I think all of us thought it was going to be like a two-week snow day. And I know I was home baking. Um, I made more chocolate chip cookies because that's what I do when there are snow days. And then I quickly realized that, um, you know, a couple of days in that this was not going to be a short stint. And so, um, you know, it's been an interesting, interesting path to navigate for sure. Now that you've had the benefit of those five months, I mean, talk about those first few days and the fact that no one put this in your job description. As (laughs) as prescient as Alan Najar and Bill Bland are, they didn't put this in your job description. So everyone's brilliant enough, though, to uh, have other duties as assigned somewhere in there. So this quickly became uh, the other duty. Yeah. um, You know, none of us have uh, navigated a pandemic before. And certainly if there were a way to simply Google, you know, leadership during a pandemic, that would be wonderful, but there's not. And so we've all been finding our way as we've gone through this. But to your question of, you know, five months ago when this occurred and sort of the thought process from a leadership of a chamber perspective you know, we, I think, hoped that it would be uh, very short-lived and um, and then quickly had to wrap our heads around that. So, you know, I think at, at that point and for, for us, um, we actually hosted the state chamber conference for all the chambers across the state of Georgia on March 12th and 13th in Alpharetta. And so interestingly enough, we were all physically together as chambers of commerce when this um, really sort of um, the first death occurred, of course, in, in Georgia. And so uh, the governor addressed the state. And so we were all together. And um, and that's probably a good thing because it allowed some, um, you know, as peers for us to, to kind of quickly assess um, what we needed to do. And so my team um, and there are 10 of us uh, came back to the office on that Friday and kind of pulled everything together. We knew that there was a possibility we would be working from home. So luckily we were 
um, smart enough to have a, a contingency plan for that in place. And everybody has laptops. So everybody, you know, grabbed their computer off their desk, literally. And, um, and that next week, um, we immediately went into a reactionary mode that looked like a, um, you know, we had to set up Zoom because at that time nobody, you know, was doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we set up Zoom as our communication tool and got everybody um, on. And so we literally started meeting every morning at 9 a.m. Um, by Zoom uh, to be able to talk about what that day's plan was. Um, John, you and I have known each other since I got here in April of 18. So, you know, I like to have a plan and a process and planning day to day is not necessarily, I'm not, not a tactical person. I'm more of a strategic and process driven person. So, um, you know, there was no way to plan ahead because as, as we are now there, you really don't know what the next week month brings. So we became very um, tactical in our in our maneuvering, and what we did know was that we needed to provide provide a sense of communication and security to our members. Um, and we also quickly realized that whether uh, the businesses in North Fulton were members here, or twelve hundred members or not, that everybody had that same need um, to to have access to good solid information. So uh, kind of flipped two switches. The first one was we um, decided that the information that we would begin culling through and putting out to the businesses in North Fulton would not be password protected. In other words, we literally took over the front page of our website and put all of our materials on the front page so that it was not just members who had access to it. It was very important that that we um, be able to communicate for the greater good of, of all of North Fulton. So Um, we immediately began to communicate with our members to ask them their needs. And the way that we did that was by phone. Um, Luckily, our database is cloud-driven. So we were able to um, pull up phone numbers for all of our members. And all 10 of us started making phone calls and um, became became to some extent a concierge service. Um, and, And as people had needs or concerns or questions, we tried to connect them with the right people. And, you know, chambers are great at connecting. And so that that was a role that we knew we could fill and we could fill well. Um, we also sent out daily information emails to our members and then posted those on social media to drive people back to our website so that they had further information. Um, and so those those three things, um, really that communication to our members, I think, provided a lot of um, continuity and a sense of well-being for uh, our members um, and more importantly, I think for my team. Uh, so as we got together every morning, we shared stories uh, about our members. Um, and it was everything from, I talked to someone who needs this and I don't know this resource to any of you, in which case we would hand off to that person and be able to continue the service that we were providing oh, um, to really sharing good news stories because um, we all needed it so badly at that time. Um, but we wanted to be, a reliable source of information. So our first response or reaction to this was to become for all businesses in North Fulton that reliable information source um, and communicate that. And that was really, I mean, that's what drove us. Now, we were out of the office for six weeks. We left St. Patrick's Day week. Um, We came back for a couple of days and then went out. Um, And we came back on May 4th, Monday, May 4th. And um, as a chamber of commerce, um, you know, the words kind of say it all. We wanted to make sure that we were putting our our best foot and and first foot forward 
to being back in business at the first opportunity. Um, and of course, I want to say that with the caveat of every safety um, measure was put in place. You know, the, the office was thoroughly cleaned. We still have blue tape me- measuring our six foot distances within our office. Masks were were utilized. Our doors were locked to the public. Um, so we came back May 4th as a team. And, um, and I think that made a difference for us. Mm. That was the turning point at which we were able to really work um, in a different way for the good of our members. And so I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that's a lot, but that was a sort of our first very reactionary mode. Um, I'd love to back up just a bit and talk about what you learned in general about leadership in, in all of that, because again, no, no one wrote the book, no one planned. Um, and no one, uh, you weren't able to consult anything per se. What did you learn from what happened that your successes mistakes that, uh, you take forward now? Um, you know, it's, that's a great question. Um, and as a, a leader of a regional chamber, obviously it puts you in an interesting situation of, of a lot of folks looking to you for leadership. And um, in this particular instance, um, I think I probably felt more ill-prepared to lead than any other time in the past. And as a control freak, that really bothered me. You know, that's, I, I'm, you know, I, I am very, much um, a process person, a researcher. I like to go out and find information to be able to educate myself before I make decisions. And so, as you said, there there was no research to be done um, outside of the fact that data was coming out, you know, fast and furious um, on on both sides. You know, you for everything from this is all fake to this is the end of the world and you know, as a leader, you have to determine where within there you, your organization in this case is going to live. Now, I have a great group of board members who are the strategic direction of the organization. And during this time, they've been absolutely phenomenal providing feedback and letting me bounce ideas off them. But, you know, they're going through the same thing with their their paying gigs, if you will, you know, each of them has a job and they get their paycheck there and they need to be very present, um, in, in this interesting situation. So, um, for me, I think leadership came down to people. Um, I knew intuitively that what I would want was someone that I trusted and respected to be able to lead me and make me feel a sense of comfort and security so that I could do my job. And so that's what I, I tried to do and, and how I tried to behave. Um, and so that's why we went into things like phone calls to our members. So while I was talking to my team individually and, you know, sometimes emotionally on both sides, because this is, this was a very different time for all of us. Um, that is why my team had daily phone calls because we needed to see each other. We needed to have, um, face-to-face time and understand what we were all going through. And so I, I guess we intuitively knew that our members needed that too, and started making phone calls to our members to provide them that same, um, one-on-one relationship 
Um, you know, and we're hearing that ironically, John, from our surveys that we're doing now, which uh, I'll talk about that in a couple minutes, but you know, what, when we're surveying our members about their, their concerns, I think um, the number one thing that everybody agrees has got to change in order to go back to whatever, you know, our new normal, what I like to call our new next looks like is consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's human nature. Human nature is you want to feel like you're in control. Well, for me, it's, you know, in control of the situation, mm-hmm. but you want to have confidence that you're going to be safe and taken care of should you, you know, whatever that thing is. Um, so that's, that's kind of where I've defaulted now making decisions like coming back to the office on May 4th. Um, we have been blessed in that we have not had any um, uh, health concerns since we've been physically back in the office, but um, you know, I'll be honest, our, our team behaves like a family and what that means. And we're fond of saying to one another and reminding each other is that we are our family. And while we're here, this is family. And so we protect our family. And how do we do that? We do that by, you know, using uh, good decision-making when we're going out to the grocery store and wearing our mask and washing our hands and doing all the things that now have become very second nature to, to this team, because we believe strongly in protecting our home family and our work family. Yeah, there's a a word you didn't use, but you defined is trust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that I think that element of trust um, comes with making good decisions, but it also comes with being very candid and real to the people that you're leading. Um, I think that anybody stepping into a leadership role and saying, "I know what I'm doing," would be counterintuitive to what everyone really knows, which is no one knows what they're doing right now. We're, we're all doing our best and, um, and that's okay. Um, doing our best implies that everyone's going to give us a little grace if maybe our best, um, doesn't the first time hit the mark. And so, you know, we regroup all the time. Um, and, and that lesson I think has, has been good for me over the last five months in that, you know, if you're a perfectionist, you want to get it right and you think you only get one shot at it. And what I've realized is that as we navigate something that is this different um, and this unknown, that that is not the case. We do our best. And we want to take a step closer to being um, to being to being safe and to be able to go to that next normal. Um, but we we don't have that opportunity all the time. Folks, we're here with Callie Boatwright, and she's the CEO, president of the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Callie, let's talk about, uh, I guess, take it up a notch if if we can and talk about chambers in general and what you see uh, the pandemic environment bringing for chambers, chambers, how they're adjusting. You're very active in uh your peer group uh, work and you've got your ear to the ground on what a lot of chambers are up to. Um, What's that going to look like as we go forward? That's a really good question. And the answer is it's going to look different for a lot of different chambers. I think John, Um, based on what we know that chambers of commerce um, do, which is, you know, we're the great, collaborators, conveners, communicators, lots of C's because we're chambers. 
these are the things that we um, do for our members and allow them and, and, and convening is, is not happening right now in the traditional sense um, for any of the chambers uh, because we, you know, we're exercising the, the safety regulations. And so if we do convene, if we do have an event or, or a group together, um, you know, using the state limit of 50 within the, the, the state here, um, we have to make sure that, you know, we respect those numbers. And when we do that, um, you also have to be realize that not everybody can be included because, you know, there is a limit to the number of people who can can be safely within one area together. Um, so what we're hearing industry wide is that um, in a very real sense, um, many chambers have already closed their doors. I said many, that's too strong. There are, are several chambers who have already closed their doors Um and some are temporary because what they used to do, they can't do. And so navigating what what would look different is is too big for what in many cases in some communities is a team of one. Right. And so mm. how do you how do you navigate that? Right. Um, in fact, our state association um, in July, our state conference got together and uh, there are metrics for chamber professionals, just like there are for every other business. Um, there is a certification um, for chamber professionals um, called the Institute for Organizational Management. There is a level of proficiency for chambers that show that they kind of have all their ducks in a row called a um, a. Uh, it, it, different words for different things for us. It's a um, state ch- chamber certification and also for chamber professionals. And so um, there were a group of us that got together um, who sit on the board of our state association and said, you know, we're already hearing and seeing that many of, of particularly smaller chambers and, and in rural areas, in most cases, not all, um, are, are in need and are in crisis mode and um, are going to need some help. And so we have created a task force group um, that we are uh, there. There are ten to twelve of us who have all of our certifications um, and sit on in leadership roles within the state association. Who are going to be going out and spending, you know, a couple of days to help out those chambers that are indeed at risk of failure. Um, we just got word actually this week that um, our friends at Georgia Power are actually underwriting that initiative because uh, obviously um, if I'm going to a, you know, a small chamber in rural South Georgia and there's a team of two to three of us who are going to go and help and see what we can do to, to shore them up um, for a couple of days, I don't want my chamber to take the burden of that cost on. That's mm. not fair. Right. Um, when in fact my chamber's already, you know, showing a, a, a good degree of, of, you know, benefit as far as letting me go and do this. And so that's why there are a good number of us, but, you know, we've never done anything like this before, but we know that the chamber industry is necessary and we want to make sure that we're putting um, our money where our mouth is, so to speak, and helping shore up those chambers that are at risk. Um, But chambers are doing things differently. Chambers cannot be the every week public, um, you know, event where everybody gathers because right now is a time that that only small groups can gather. Um, I'm very proud of our chamber and our pro-alliance group. Um, And John, I know you're part of that group, but every Wednesday we've got a pro-alliance leads generation group that meets from 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m. That group usually has 
um, 80 people on average, and we've had as many as 100, um, but 80 people on average who came to our chamber offices and literally pulled every chair in the building or in, in our offices out. There were days where I came into my office and my desk chair was gone. And I loved that. That was fabulous. I'd rather sit on the floor and work and have one of our members out there because they needed my chair. I think I mean, those are the things that make me feel like we're doing all the right things. So when this happened, that group needed to still go on. So we immediately went into a virtual mode with that group. And I'm still amazed to this day that we have 60 people almost weekly on this virtual Zoom um, leads generation group. And, And we've created ways to break them out into small groups and provided ways for them to get together one-on-one within that platform so that they still have those opportunities. And so that's a great example of having to make decisions that benefit the greater good. When we came back in here, we could bring people back, but based on social distancing regulations, which I will follow as long as they are regulations, of course, as a business owner, um, we couldn't get more than 30 people in, in our office. Um, And so as a result, we would be leaving people out. And so what we've done is we've maintained our virtual um, program every Wednesday morning and it's done nothing but grow. And so, you know, that's great that we have the capacity to do that. Um, And we have the the people who are willing to do that um, on our team and also our volunteers. But like I said, not every chamber has that capacity. Um, so there are a lot of chambers going through a lot of things right now. Um, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm blessed to work with the team that I work with and know that they are hundred percent dedicated, um, to our members. Um, and luckily we're in a position where we are financially strong enough to, to weather the storm. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're going to get to the other side of it. And I, you know, I, I, my heart hurts for those organizations that aren't able to do that. Yeah. And, and, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but I mean, that's a really a question that I think members suddenly have to ask about their chambers, right? I mean, is, is financial viability that they didn't have to ask before, didn't even think to ask before. Yeah, absolutely true. And, you know, chambers are going through, I'm going through with my business as the CEO, the same thing every other CEO is having to go through. And so, um, you know, as we're, you know, we're, we're an organization, we're a nonprofit organization. So our, our entire business model is based on membership payment. So you, you pay a certain amount to be a member of this organization and our events. Well, I just said our events are, are pretty much moved into a virtual capacity. We have kept those free of charge for our members because we believe it's the right thing to do. Um, and luckily, our sponsors of those events have maintained their sponsorships, and that has made a significant difference to our ability to be able to provide. And John, this number is going to be staggering to you because it's only been five months. But since March 17th, when we went out, we have done 100 webinars online for our members. And so mm. those some of those were pro-alliance groups. Some of those were... Uh, you know, the mayor's summit that we did the webinar and we've done, you know, a number of them, but it's almost a hundred to date. And so we continue to put those offerings out there, but yeah, we, our revenue model looks a lot different. And um, I, I am in all candor, we expect that 2021 will actually be the more challenging year. 
um, because of, you know, folks are watching what they're doing right now and wondering and, and having, you know, to, to, to keep an eye on their own funds just as we are. And so we know that 2021 is actually going to be harder. Um, and I don't know whether you're aware or not, but the CARES Act and PPP funding um, did not include 501c6s, which are chambers of commerce. Um, ironically, the NFL is also 501c6, which I did not know, but now know. Mm. Um, but there are numerous organizations that fall within that. And so, um, you know, we, if given the opportunity, we would definitely be able to and, and want to apply for that just as any other organizations. But right now, chambers cannot even go down that road. Mm. It's been an interesting time. Yeah, for certain. Now, uh, <laughs> Now you've been documenting, speaking of, uh, uh, documenting interesting times, you mentioned the business surveys that you've done. You've done a series of those. Uh, what, what is that? What are the conclusions you draw from those surveys? Well, and I want to be very, very clear on the fact that it's, it's not us doing the surveys. We, um, I mentioned collaboration being a key tenant of our chamber, um, and so taking that very seriously, all of the economic developers in each of our cities um, got together and created these business impact surveys. And it actually started with the Sandy Springs economic uh, development team, Andrea Worthy down there, pulling together um, Mark Goodman in my office, who works in our economic and workforce development. And of course, Roswell Inc., uh, the city of Alpharetta, the city of Milton, um, Select Fulton, the county department um, economic development. I mean, we had so many partners engaged in this um, and we were lucky to be part of the team that did it. But in response, um, we've created, we've had a monthly survey, a business impact survey. Um, there, there have been three today. The last one was in July, um, the very end of July. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now, what we've found is that um, our, our response to these surveys has declined as we've released each one, which kind of tells you that people are maybe normalizing in the current situation, um, interestingly enough. But what I would tell you is that the last two have been very, very um, similar in their responses. So the things that that are really takeaways for, for me as a leader, and I think for our businesses as well, um, number one is the fact that consumer confidence is really the biggest thing that's going to make a change, right? So consumers will not be going out to restaurants or retail um, in the same capacity that they did before until there is that that consumer confidence has come back up. And what that's translating to is a fear of lost customers. Mm. So, you know, when I go to the grocery store, which I do, um, because I, again, I love to go to the grocery store. I'm one of those strange people. But um, I see more uh, grocery store uh, frontline workers, actually, you know, folks who are out there and have been during this entire time, packing up their delivery and pickup items. So folks have changed, right? They don't necessarily go out anymore. They're doing a lot of online um, ordering, whether it be food or groceries. They're also making a lot of retail transactions online. That number has gone up um, in the double digits uh, as opposed to bricks and mortar. And so, you know, that's a concern. I care about our Main Street businesses and um, we know that that looks different. So consumer confidence and the fear of lost customers is, is a big part of that. Um, it's going to be no surprise to you that childcare is a huge concern. Um, we saw today, uh, today's the first day Forsyth uh, was physically back in school and um, Fulton, of course, goes back on Monday 
um, virtually. But it's interesting because you see more cars in our parking lot at our building than I have um, since we've been back on May 4th. So there were many, many parents who were not working because they were home with their children. And, and if their children are going back, then now I'm seeing them in the parking lot and on the road. So childcare is a big area. And then finally, um, the third area is that fear of cash flow and liquidity, um, which goes back to the fact that chambers are businesses just like every other business. And that's become a problem um, for them as well. And so, you know, that cash flow liquidity, having cash but not being able to get to it is not helpful during this time. And so that's what we're seeing as a major concern for our businesses. Um, and so in, in, as we moved sort of from that reactionary mode of, of you know, instant communicator and getting out information, um, we've now been able to morph into a recovery mode as a, as a chamber. And one of the first things that we did was my board uh, approved the creation of, if you will, kind of a new strategic plan. Um, we have an economic recovery task force um, groups that have, have been formed, but we really, as, a, as the only regional chamber in North Fulton, we wanted to lead where it came to economic recovery of our businesses. And based on our business survey that we all participated in, we understand what it is that we need to do. So, you know, now we've moved to a, a very different role where we're, um, we want to be part of the solution for the recovery of North Fulton. Folks, we're here with Callie Boatwright. She's president and CEO of the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. Uh, Callie, you mentioned collaboration with other chambers. You know, it strikes me uh, that that's maybe something that um, is, is in, in terms of changing operating models. I mean, you've always been about collaboration, so that was true since you've been at the chamber, but this environment has really hastened that, um, uh, effort, right? I mean that, and, and that's, that's something of a value add for the members of the chain of these chambers, right? Oh, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I, collaboration for me is born out of necessity from the perspective of I enjoy people in relationship building and having fun. And so you do that by, you know, the more the merrier sort of concept. Um, and so when you gather with other chambers or other organizations, you have the added benefit of making friends, you know, friends you haven't met yet. Mm. Um, and so that's, that's how we've looked at it over the last, um, you know, couple of years as I've been here. But, um, but yes, the collaboration of being able to work with all of these, for instance, the, the, um, business impact survey I mentioned, you know, that, that's not about us. That's, that wasn't something we created and, and that's okay. I think that the idea was fabulous and I'm so grateful that Andrea in Sandy Springs said, you know, this would be better if we actually had more representation and reached out. Um, and so it doesn't have to be our idea. Um, I am. I am 100% ready to get on board with great ideas, whether they're mine or anybody else's. Um, Forsyth Chamber had an excellent idea for a virtual uh, job fair, and we jumped on board um, with them and partnered with them and created an opportunity that if you'd asked me six months ago what that was, I would have told you I have no idea and nobody would ever sign on for it. Well, 
times have changed. And so we have to be um, changing right along with them. And innovation is, is the future, John. I mean, we've innovated since, you know, we, we went home and had to figure it out. And so I think that's what, you know, I'm a glass half full kind of girl, you know, when I look at what are the good things that have come out of this, that, that ability to innovate and be creative, um, the ability to work with others through the collaboration mode has been excellent. Um, and so there are, there are good things that are coming out of this um, and relationships that are being built because we are reaching out by phone and talking to people. So we're seeing new leaders engage. And so, you know, we want that. We, we want to continue that. You know, folks uh, keep wanting to get to a new normal <laughs> as if that's some static place that if we can just get there, then all will be well. And you just put your finger on something I think is really important that there is never any static normal. Um, There's no normal to get back to. There's no, no new normal to get into and that you have to innovate at all times. Um, So that really brings up the future. I mean, what do you see in coming months and into next year that you say is going to be even more challenging in ways uh, for further innovation, for further change that uh, you would like to see bring value to chamber members? So the first thing as we um, look to innovate within our chamber of commerce is really um, a follow-on to that economic recovery um, group that that we formed. Um, and the reason I say that is because we had a strategic plan. We've had one for, this is the fifth year of a five-year strategic plan. And, um, you know, when we created business plans for the year, because like every business, we create business plans for the year that meet our strategic plan. Um, and when we did that last fall, we were very clear in wrapping up some very significant items and being able to move forward. Well, in March, it was very clear to me that our current strategic plan was, was not the plan that we needed to be focused on. And so what we have done ha- is to literally innovate a completely new plan that we know is going to be in effect for um, probably from now, the next 12 to 18 months. At the time that we created it, we were saying 18 to 24. But um, over the next at least two years, we're going to be working on this. And so the ability to be agile and move quickly from putting away one strategic plan in and creating a plan on the fly, quite literally, um, w- was important. And so just real quick, I want to make, um, I, I do want to cover just the, the areas sure. um, in general and broadly. So we've, we've got five areas that we're focusing on and we have task force groups that have now been stood up, which have members, um, and when I say members of the task force groups, they are not necessarily members of this chamber. This is a North Fulton recovery task force. So they are folks from a wide breadth of, um, of different industry types, different industry sizes. Um, they are inclusive all, of all of our six cities in the region. And here's the really cool part. We've gotten a lot of new people engaged. So mm-hmm. it's not the usual suspects. These are people who are going to bring their own creativity and innovation to each of these groups. So the first group, John, is workforce and unemployment, um, and their focus is really on um, jobs. Uh, we have NorthFultonJobs.com that we run, and we've completely switched that because we've moved from a less than 2% unemployment rate 
to now a almost 9% unemployment rate, which is better than the U.S. at large, but still a concern. And so we really are focused on that as well as training for new jobs. I mentioned innovation. Well, innovation means there are new jobs that we didn't even know existed. Mm. Um, and so training for those new jobs or retraining. And then, of course, the child care issue, because you cannot be employed if your child is you know, six years old and needs to be in front of a computer or it needs to be at home because your child care um, provider is, is not open. And so we're trying to work that out. Um, cash flow and liquidity, I mentioned, is a huge concern for our members. That is the second group. Um, we're keeping a close eye on the fourth stimulus package that's being discussed right now, of course, in D.C. We know that debt is going to be a tremendous issue um, as as well as just the cash flow issue. And, um, and more importantly, we want professionals who will be able to translate that information as it comes out. Um, that is not my core competency. I'm 100% okay with telling you that, that you don't want me to interpret those rules. So um, we want the folks who know how to do that. The third area, you are actually chairing. Um, and so I hope you know that. I know you do. Yeah, yeah, I got the word on that. Um, small business and entrepreneurism. Um mm-hmm. During times like this, there are a lot of people who've had an idea burning in their heart for a long time who say, you know what, I'm going to take an early buyout and I'm going to go create my own company. And Mm -hmm. we love that. So we want to create a mentor team or a system that supports those those folks who are getting ready to be new entrepreneurs um, in an advisory capacity. Um, We also hear frequently that the old way of marketing doesn't work because they don't know who they're marketing to. Um, and so we've relaunched our hot deals, which is a, a member marketing tool, and we're going to be working hard to get that out. But again, that's the, the marketing for the small businesses is going to be key. The fourth area is government support, um, which is a policy and liability committee. Um, we've already seen some interesting lawsuits pop up. And of course the governor just signed into law, the liability protections, which, um, you know, we're getting out to members, um, today. Uh, so that they are able to post the correct verbiage in the correct way um, on their own doors and websites so that they are protected. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not an attorney and I'm not a um, policy wonk, although I, I enjoy following all of that. Um, and so we want to make sure that we've got some expertise who's working with that. We also know that each of our cities has their own regulations and rules as, the, as we're going back. Um, and we want to be able to work with them and help communicate that, especially as we know infrastructure projects are going to come up. We want our members to be able to, to secure those bids. So it's really kind of being an ombudsman to some extent within that, that world. Um, and then, John, the fifth area is kind of me, right? So it's what my what keeps me up at night, if you will, which is what is our chamber going to look like next? Um, and you mentioned, you know, the, the new normal. Um, and I, I, like you, don't believe that there is going to be a fixed new normal. I think that it is going to be a world of innovation and movement where we have to be comfortable playing in that space. So um, so our operations have changed just like all businesses. And, um, you know, we're going to keep collaborating. We've got a big announcement with Gwinnett, that's come, the Gwinnett Chamber, which we're excited to, to launch here in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, we want to alleviate the fear, drive trust and consumer confidence and still be safe because we're a chamber of commerce. That's what we do. Absolutely. Well, Callie, this has been great. Um, uh, lots to look forward to in spite of the, the concerns that anyone 
that's that has a pulse would have um but uh any closing thoughts as you look ahead and and uh communicate and think about communicating uh with your members um i think the the biggest piece that i want to communicate is that um there is hope that there are people who are here to help you um, and that, you know, we're all in this together, which I think has, has become maybe overused, but I don't think it's trite. I think it's for us, what we come here every day, uh, to do, which is to talk to at least one business that we can answer a question or solve a problem and help them be more effective and better at what they do. There's a lot of fear out there right now. Mm-hmm. There's among the business owners and, and, and among consumers, um, And I know a lot of us lose sleep because of that. And so we want to be able to at least answer those things that we're able to. And if we're not able to answer them, then let's, let's sit down and talk about it so that at least we understand that we're not the only one out there. It's not an Island. We're, we're all doing this together. For sure. Good words from Callie Boatwright, president and CEO of the greater North Fulton chamber of commerce. Callie, thank you so much for your leadership. John, thank you for always being a uh, eager participant in my uh, conversations. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. And folks, just a reminder that this show is presented by the Greater North Fulton Chamber of Commerce. And if you'd like to know more about the chamber and the programs it offers and the way that uh, the connections and collaborations that it offers, go to gnfcc.com or or you can also pick up the phone and call because they're in the office 770-993-8806. And you can find an archive of all the GNFCC 400 insider shows at GNFCC 400 insider.com. So for Callie Boatwright, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on GNFCC 400 insider.